Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors here. We're glad that you are with us, whether you're in the room or you're engaging online with us. We've been in the series called The Way of Jesus, The Way of Jesus, reminding us that following Jesus isn't just things that we know, but a new way of life. And so we've been working through Luke chapter by chapter. And one of the things that we've done is We've created a journal that allows you to engage with Luke through the week. Because if you are just engaging with God once a week, you will find yourself lacking. And so we want to encourage you, whether you're in a co-group or you're not in a co-group, to actually engage with the journal through the week. I don't know what you're like. I don't know if you're incredibly self-reflective. Like maybe you're too self-reflective. Maybe you, you break apart all the things that you do, and I'm not encouraging that kind of self-reflection, but maybe some of you go, I don't really reflect on much. I kind of just go with the flow. I want to invite us into a, a little bit of a time of reflection. I want to invite us as we gather to a moment of reflection. When you think back to your life, when you think back on your life, I want you to reflect Who has been teaching me? Who has been teaching me? Now, I'm not talking about your third grade teacher, though maybe they were wonderful. Who's been shaping you and forming you? Who have you allowed to shape and form your actions, your attitudes, your affections? Who have you invited to shape your life? Who is forming you? Like maybe on a positive level, who taught you to be resilient Who has encouraged you to be resilient when things are difficult? Who has encouraged you to handle things with with grace and poise? Who has caused you to stand for things even though they are difficult? Or on the other side, who has encouraged you to ruminate, to fixate, to think about all the ways that you are flawed and messed up? Who causes you to hold people? Who's encouraged you to hold people at arm's length? Who taught you that relationships aren't really about knowing people, but presenting this carefully manicured version of yourself? Who taught you that? How often do we reflect on the people that have shaped us positively and negatively and formed our lives? I want to encourage us in this time to reflect on that together. To think about who do we allow to shape us and form us and encourage us. Who taught us to think like we do, feel like we do, respond like we do. I want to remind you that we are the sum total of the loudest voices in our life. When you look back at your life, you see these voices that become loud and they shape us and form us. And with that in mind, I think we need to be attentive to the voices that we allow to shape us. I think some of us aren't nearly as self-aware as we should be or 
want to be. In fact, I would say most of us are not nearly as self-aware of those voices. There's an author named Dallas Willard, and he has a book called uh, Divine Conspiracy, and he says this. He said, who teaches you? Whose disciple are you? Honestly, one thing is sure, you are somebody's disciple. You learned how to live from somebody else. There's no exceptions to this rule. For human beings are just the kind of creatures that have to learn and keep learning from others how to live. It's hard to come to realistic terms about this. Today, especially in Western cultures, we prefer to think that we are our own person. We make up our own minds. But that's only because we've been mastered by those who have taught us that we do or should do so. Such individualism is part of the legacy that makes us modern. But we certainly did not come by that individualistic posture through our own individual and independent insight into ultimate truth. Probably you are the disciple of several somebodies. All of us have been shaped and formed by people. And the million dollar question, the one that we need to constantly be thinking about, are the people that are shaping me, are the people that are shaping you, shaping you to be someone that you want to be? Are they actually helping you and forming you into someone at the end that you go, I love this version of myself? Are the people that are shaping you, shaping you and forming you into who you want to be? And for those of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers, the question becomes, are they shaping me and helping me to become like Jesus? Are they actually helping me to become like Jesus? Jesus. I've been using this language of apprenticeship because I think it's helpful. So if you've, if you've missed this series and it's, you're new, I, I just want to give us all a refresher and reminder. We use the word discipleship. We want to be disciples to Jesus. But one of the other ways of explaining that uh, that I think is really helpful is apprentices. We want to be apprentices to the way of Jesus. We don't want to just learn about him. We want to actually become we want to become apprentices. And so there's three ways that we can do that. One, we need to actually be with Jesus. We can learn about all sorts of things, but if we're not with Jesus, there's a, a gap and we can't be apprentices unless we're with him. We want to be like Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And then we want to do what he did. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. That is how we are formed and shaped be, to become apprentices to Jesus. As a church, collective church, we exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus. We want this to happen. We know that people see Jesus at work through us as Christians, but there's a process by which we become apprentices and reflect him. Over time, as Christians, we should find ourselves looking more and more like him. We should find ourselves looking more and more like Jesus. And as we read scripture, we should continually find ourselves face to face with Jesus. The Old Testament echoing him, the New Testament rich with his, his impact and life. It, all of it should cause us to be drawn more and more to being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what he did. We've been looking through the Gospel of Luke, and I want to look at a passage in Luke 6. Jesus often speaks in parables, and so I want to look at a, a little parable. Many of us have heard parables, though sometimes we don't always know that they originate with Jesus. He uses stories. Stories are powerful. When someone tells you a story, it can stick with you. 
Jesus used stories masterfully. He used these parables masterfully. And it would cause people to reflect and to wonder. And it would sit with them. Like, like an earworm. Have you ever heard that? Earworm. Like it would, it would bury itself and you'd be going, I, I just keep thinking of what he said. This is the power of parables that Jesus would use. And some are really famous. I want to look at one that's two lines. That's a quick one that I think is really impactful for us. And part of why I think it's so impactful is because we need to, we need to reevaluate and constantly uh, diagnose where we actually are at. So I want to read from Luke 6, 39 to 40, and I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus gave the following instruction, illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments in this time together, that more than my words and my ideas and my preparation, that people would experience you, hear from you. God, your word does not return void. I'm reminded of that personally. I pray for that for each of us, that we would come face to face with what you're inviting us into, that you would speak to us. You love each one of us individually. You know each one of us individually. And there are things that you are trying to get our attention with. There are things that you're trying to whisper to us in this moment God, supernaturally pause any notifications on our phone and cause our brains not to run 100 miles a minute and help us to hear your still, small voice. May it just not be an, ex an exchange of information. God, we want transformation. We want to change. We want to become more and more like you. God, we love you and trust you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to I work through this and unpack this parable. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Now, just so we're crystal clear, Jesus isn't talking about actual physical blindness here. Jesus is not looking down on the visually impaired. He's not just expressing, hey, just in case you didn't know, if you're blind and you're walking with another blind person, you're going to fall into a ditch. There you go. Jesus is speaking about something that is so much more profound. He's speaking about spiritual blindness. He, he's speaking about our tendency to be blind and not realizing it. But he's using a powerful image. Because even when you think about it, even for a moment, you think, okay, a blind person leading a blind person, that's a, a vivid picture. Like, you can picture that. You can picture what that looks like. You can picture what that experience would be like. That's the impact of Jesus as he uses parables. He's trying to implant an image in our mind, a blind person leading another blind person. Many of us have used the phrase, we've heard the phrase, blind leading the blind. Right? We, we use that, some of us, or we hear it. And, and it's important that you understand that this attitude, this idea that is in the lexicon of language, that it's something that we say and we believe. It speaks to this whole idea of having people that are leading others that don't know what they're talking about. Like the blind leading the blind. There's someone that's going, hey, come this way. And it's like, don't go that way. That person is a moron. Don't follow them. We experience this. 
There's a significant cultural element of that, and there's a significant spiritual element. In this scenario, Jesus is speaking to the the spiritual undercurrent of what that actually looks like as the blind are leading the blind. The challenge of being led by someone spiritually who completely lacks wisdom. One of the things that's beautiful is there's four accounts called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them reference the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, but all hit different things. So certain Gospels will double up. Certain Gospels will tell certain stories, and you'll see it in different sections. And so you start to look at certain things that Jesus said going, does he say it anywhere else? Do we have another eyewitness account of these words of Jesus? So in this case, this passage from Luke, it actually is echoed by a passage in Matthew. And it's helpful for us to look at that because sometimes we can, we can take the Bible and we can just chop out sections we want to look at. We go, well, I like that verse. But we need to understand what's the context? Who's he speaking to? Like sometimes we kind of almost assume that it's just Jesus in a park with 12 of his friends pontificating. And sometimes he is, but often there's scenarios that are around it. There are people around. There's situations, political, cultural, all these things. And so when we look at this other passage in Matthew, it's helpful and it it starts to fill in a bit of the picture. He's not just talking about metaphorical blindness. He's actually seeing it lived out around him. So who is he referencing? In Matthew 15, 12 to 14, it says this. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Now, it's interesting, even as I'm reading it, like I was was laughing at the hilarity of the part where the disciples are going, Hey, Jesus... Uh, don't you understand that what you said was offensive? Like, don't you understand that you said something offensive to the Pharisees? They represent the, the elite, the spiritual elite, the people of power. Don't you understand that you offended them? Jesus, maybe you need to be a little bit more careful with your words. You offended them. And what's Jesus's response? Every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. Ignore them. Because if they're not actually being led by God and planted by God, God's going to uproot them anyway. So ignore them completely. That's his response to offending people. He goes, ignore them. And then he says they're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. This is where we see the two verses echoed. So in Luke, when Jesus is talking about the blind leading the blind, he's also speaking to people in a position of power at that time. And for us today, it's not just in a vacuum where he's speaking about the Pharisees who represent religious or political power. He's also speaking to us today. People in positions of power or leadership in our time. He's reminding the disciples that these leaders are blind because they are not actually following Jesus. 
that there is levels of blindness that are experienced because they're not actually following God's way and the way of Jesus. It speaks to some things that are really interesting because all throughout history, we want to look to positions of power to go, just tell us what to do. Just help me to figure out what to do. Help me to know, where, where do I go? What do I do? And even 2,000 years later, we see it echoed in Jesus' time where they're going, well, these people are above everyone else, and we find ourselves doing that even now. We position people up on a pedestal. We emphasize or encourage certain voices. We see people that are influential or with power, and we go, oh, man, they are amazing. And some of that is that we're drawn to confidence. We're drawn to people that speak in a way that are like, you don't know what to do with your life? I'll tell you exactly what you should do with your life. We go, sure, that sounds good, YouTube person. I like the way your Instagram feed goes. I'll give my life to what you want me to do. We find ourselves drawn into these places where we want to be led. Like Jesus talks about us as sheep. There's this natural tendency that all of us have to go, listen, just, just tell me where to go. Like, I just, I want to I wanna find food, I want to drink some water, I'd like to be happy, so if you'll tell me the way to find that, then I'll just do whatever you say. But Jesus is reminding them, and he's reminding us, unless that is in line with what Jesus is saying, and Jesus' way of life, it's like the blind leading the blind. We can follow people who are compelling and confident, but if they do not follow the way of Jesus, if they are not causing us to become more and more like Jesus, at some level, there is a breakdown. And and I want you to think about just blindness, even as a picture. Okay, if someone is blind, they're really aware of it. They don't think, like, I can see perfectly, they don't delude themselves or, or, or lie to themselves and go, no, everything is fine. They're aware that they're blind. But think about this scenario. This is the other side of it, where these people have no clue they're blind. They're blind, wander around, bumping into things, falling into ditches, and they have no clue that they're blind. If, if we're to look at people, how do we determine if they're blind leading us as the blind? Like, what do we look at? Part of it is, the long haul of their life, like where are they actually guiding us towards? We start to notice as people fall off into the ditches that it starts to help us to understand, hey, it's possible that they were blind leading the blind. It's possible that they were directing us in a direction that was not helpful. And the unfortunate thing is if we're not careful, we discover that we've been blind leading or blind following the blind because we've ended up in the ditch. Like we look at our life and go, how did this happen? Why am I here? Why is my life such a mess? And it's only in reflection that we think about the people that led us and guided us and taught us and shaped us and formed us to realize, you know what, I I don't think this is who I want to be. I don't think this represents Jesus. I don't think this represents the kind of life that I want. Jesus is speaking about this. He gave the instruction, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both, both fall into the ditch? See, this kind of blindness doesn't just affect one person, it affects many people. At least two, and usually more. 
Because it's not just about us leading people into the, or us being drawn into a ditch. It's about the people that come with us along the way. There are people with influential platforms that are guiding people into the ditch and taking a whole bunch of people with them. It's not just where it harms one individual. It harms many people as we submit to this blind leadership leading us who are blind. Our human reality is that we are constantly looking to be led and guided. And we're faced with two options. As Christ followers, we're faced with two options. We can be guided by the truth or we can be guided by lies. Guided by the truth or guided by lies. And I know it's like that seems very binary. Yes, Truth or lies, that's the, that's the navigation that we, living like Jesus tells us the way of life or living our own way. Truth versus lies. And the question for us should be, who's leading me? Who's shaping me? Am I being guided and shaped by truth or am I being guided and shaped by lies? The reminder that, that Dallas Willard quote said that we are all being apprenticed by someone or multiple people. All of us are being shaped and formed by others. And what I hope for, because we're six weeks into this series, that this week is a little bit like a, a diagnostic for us. This allows us to reflect a little bit more on our life and go, yeah, who are those people? Who are the people that, that I am being guided by and is it leading in the right direction? We need markers for that. Like, you ever, you ever go swim in the lake, and you're out, and the tide is taking you, and you're looking out at the lake that seems to never end, and then you turn around, and you look at your stuff and go, whoa, how did I get so far over? How did I get all the way over here? And you only know that you drifted because it's in relation to a fixed point, that you actually have something that's directing you, and you go, wow, I am way off track. We as Christians need to constantly be doing that. We need to constantly look back at our fixed point and go, that is Jesus. Am I living in relation to him or have I found myself drifting? And it doesn't take long for us to drift. We make decisions, we walk in ways, we believe lies, we live like they're true and we find ourselves off center heading towards the ditch. See, we can say to people, I'm apprenticing under Jesus, but does your life demonstrate it? Like when you actually look at your life, is that true? Now, I'll be totally honest, not all of us 100% apprentices under Jesus. We all have different things that we allow to shape and form, and there's conflict and friction in our lives. And some of those places that over time, for the rest of our life, God wants to confront and challenge and move us towards. But we need to always be asking and thinking, am I actually apprenticing under Jesus? Am I being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did? Am I engaging with Scripture in a way that actually changes my life? But for some of us, maybe we're being led by something that is not Jesus. The early church talked about the three enemies of our soul. Three things that, that try to get our attention. And they say it like this. The, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Three enemies of the soul all working in 
unity to, to guide us in the wrong direction, to misalign us with Jesus. And we can find ourselves being drawn by that, led by that, apprenticed by one of those three things. All three of those things lead us to ruin. All three of those things lead us to a life that is destroyed and in the ditch and not life. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves following one of them. Like maybe it's the world. And we find ourselves drawn and pulled in the direction that everyone else is saying, don't you know, this is what people think. And you find yourself pulled in this direction and you're going, I don't think this represents Jesus. You go, you know what, but this is, it's hard to do with the Jesus thing. So I'm going to just let everyone else tell me what I should do, believe, think, act. Feel drawn by the world. Maybe it's the flesh and you go, there's this internal part of you. I want this. I want to feel good. I don't want to feel this. I want to avoid. And we find ourselves drawn by our inner voice and our inner leadership that's going like, I just want to do whatever I want to do, even if it's in contrast to Jesus. Or maybe it's the devil. There's the reminder for us that we have enemies of our soul, that there are powers and principalities around us that want our harm, that want to steal, kill, and destroy. And for some of us, we feel the pressure from outside of us and we just go, you know what, it's too hard. So I'm just going to give up. All three of those things, they whisper this insidious lie that you are the leader of your life. That you are the teacher of your life. That you are the master of your life. And your life is best served when you are in control. But that stands in direct opposition to what Jesus says. And actually, as we think we're finding our life and discovering it, we realize we've lost it. And Jesus tells us that as we lose our life, we find it. When Jesus is not leading us, we will find ourselves in the ditch. And in verse 40, Jesus says, Students are not greater than their teacher. But the student is fully, who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Jesus is reminding us something that is so significant. It is simple and yet changes so much of our life. He's reminding us that we as students, we never become greater than our teacher. We never move beyond Jesus. It's not like we get to a point where we go, Jesus, I'll take it from here. I've really matured and grown. I'm really a professional Christian, so I don't really need you. I'll take it from here and let me do my thing. Another way of saying it is once a student, always a student. Once an apprentice, always an apprentice. This is why when you spend time with people that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they've been actually following Jesus, they're more aware of their stuff. They're more aware of their need for Jesus. They're more desperately in need of Jesus to be with them because they've adopted the posture that they have not arrived. It's not like they go, I'm good now. I'm very mature. No, they're like, I need Jesus more now than before because they've been apprenticed to him over time. It's so important that we remind ourselves that we do not move past Jesus. We don't progress beyond Jesus. We don't outgrow his leadership and investment. We sit under him as our master and we apprentice and learn from him. We are with Jesus. We become like him and we do what he did. And as we give this life and we follow this way of living, we experience life that the world cannot offer. 
It's always only Jesus. When we say we exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus, that's our North Star. We continue to look back and go, what does that look like? We don't just say that. Well, we should make it all about people seeing Jesus. So I'll do some of the things that he uh, says to do. But some of the other stuff, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to do that. No, we do all of that and go, what does it look like to shape and pattern our life in the way of Jesus? It's always only Jesus. Jesus is the one who is leading us. But what do we do with the fact that Jesus is not here in body? We believe theologically that God is present here, that, that the Holy Spirit is present here. But what do we do? We can't look at Jesus. And so there's a part of us that I think it's hard because we go, um, I want to be apprenticed to Jesus, but I don't see him. What do I do? Well, the beauty is that Jesus uses people like we're reading Luke. So Jesus used Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, and he uses it for us to become more and more like Jesus. We are apprenticed under Luke, who is apprenticed under Jesus. He is guiding us towards, or we have pastors or mentors or people in our life who are, are helping us to be apprenticed to Jesus. Jesus uses people, flawed people, to point to him. But it's really important that we understand when it comes to all of that, that where it's being pointed towards. Because if people of influence, and that can be Christian or otherwise, are going, the goal is me, the goal is to become like me, and not that the goal is to become like Jesus, then we become the blind leading the blind right into the ditch. Everyone has a place. But everyone's place is in submission to Jesus. All leadership, all experts, all understanding, all of it is in submission to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about even the scenario as Jesus is confronting the blindness in the Pharisees. He's speaking to those religious leaders who do not function like that. They function like they are the ultimate moral authority. He's reminding them of their place. He's reminding them of where they fit in the process. But he's also reminding them that you teach what you know. You replicate who you are. There, there's a, a, a commentary that I read on this passage that I think was really helpful. It's Benson commentary, and he says, If the master is ignorant, foolish, and wicked... Will not the disciple be likewise? You replicate who you are. And if we're being apprenticed or discipled by people, we become like them. And if the master is ignorant, foolish, and wicked, will not the disciple be likewise? Now, I'm not suggesting that you start pointing fingers like the person beside you. Like, that's you. Like, so ignorant and foolish. Or, but I want you to think, all of us have interacted with people that you think about the voices that have shaped them. Like you come face to face with them and you're like, I know who you've been listening to. Maybe I don't know exactly who you've been listening to, but I'm pretty sure I can guess. And we look at the outcome overflow of their life and we're like, it's not good. Like we've been around Christians that you spend time with them and you're like, are you sure you're actually around Jesus? Because you don't look anything like him. You're mean and nasty and hateful. Or around other people and you're like, 
um, do you have any convictions? All of us have been around people that we recognize this impact, that we're shaped by the voices that are around us. And if we're shaped by voices that are divisive or hateful or, or laissez-faire, then what do we become? We become all of those things. We become the sum total of the voices that we allow to be the most influential in our life. This is why we need to take this really seriously. For us as Christians, it is so easy for us to look at other people and go, ah, I know who's investing in their life. I know who they're allowing to, to shape their life. What I actually am more concerned about is us doing that ourselves and in community going, what do you see in me? It's so easy for us to throw stones at others and go, I'm so much more superior than you spiritually. I am, I am the full apprentice of Jesus. But the invitation is not that. The invitation is continually to submit and go, I just want to be more like you. I want to be with you. I want to do what you did. And, and to recognize in our own lives how quickly we can get off track, off center. And to reflect, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming and what does that say about who's leading me? Like for us to actually consider that. Who am I becoming and what does that say about the people that I'm allowing to lead me? When it comes to any kind of leadership, we need to be hyper aware of the impact that they are having on us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul, he persecuted Christians did a lot of horrible things, and then came face to face with Jesus and his life changed. And as a result of that, he, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He planted a bunch of churches. He did everything that God asked him to do, even when it was incredibly difficult. And he actually speaks about this in a passage in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says this, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Notice what he isn't saying. Imitate me. Just become like me. No, he's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's this reminder that we are still apprentices under the one who we are being apprenticed to. That all of us, regardless of what statue or, or stature we have, whatever position we have, all of us are saying, imitate me, but only as I imitate Jesus. May my life only just point to the one who gave his life. May it not just be about me. This is what I want in my life. Like, I don't want it to be like, well, if we could all become like Tyler, because that'd be awful. I go, what does it look like to, to follow us as a church towards Jesus? To imitate elements of, of who we are, Lee and I, as we lead, because we're pointing people to Jesus, that it's not about us, that we're just guiding the way, going, look, if you just see his beauty, if we could be with him, become like him and do what he did. I want to hit 40 and be more and more like Jesus pointing to him. I want to be 50 and be more aware of my need for him and pointing people to him. May it never be that we as a church ever make it about us because we exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus not about people. Because let's be honest, we're all reasonably flawed. And so we point people to Jesus. We should always be reflecting, not just who is shaping me, but who am I apprenticing alongside? 
Because the truth is, if you even think about Jesus, he's the head of the church. So he's the head of collective church. So though I might have the privilege and opportunity to unpack scripture, we're still being apprenticed alongside each other under Jesus. Who are the other people that you're apprenticed alongside? Who are the other people that are walking with you and helping you and shaping you? And again, over time, are they causing you to become more and more like Jesus? Jesus finishes by saying, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. I said a few weeks back, and I think it's helpful, I want you to think training, not trying. Training, not trying. We're not just trying to do more. We're training. We are training. We are active. As we engage with spiritual disciplines, we're training. This is what we see. The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. It's this important reminder that we want to become like Jesus. We don't want to just know about him. Knowing about him is valuable and important, but if that's it, If that's all it is, it just becomes this legalistic thing that doesn't really offer us anything. We don't want to just know about Jesus or understand his theological view on the marginalized. We want to be with him. We want to become like him. We want to do what he did. We want to find ourselves shaped and formed by who he is. We want to grow in our spiritual maturity over time. We have, we have three overseers, three external pastors that Lee and I are accountable to, that we spend time with, that help us as we're trying to figure out how to lead and guide. And one of them, his name is Steve Fleming. Steve Fleming planted a church called Koinonia 35 years ago. I want to be around people that planted a church 35 years ago and then handed it off well. And so when we're around, Lee and I, when we're around Steve and his wife Beth, it is so encouraging because just like Paul does, we watch them as they imitate Jesus. They point us back to Jesus. They have been transformative in our lives. And Steve has this saying when he's talking about spiritual maturity that I think is so bang on. There's this moment as we follow Jesus, there are constant moments where God asks us to do something. God challenges us or he invites us to take a step and we are responding by either saying yes or no. Steve would suggest that you're ultimately going to say yes, it's just a matter of time. But he says the indication of spiritual maturity is how quickly you'll say yes. And I find that in my own life and in other people's life, God will ask things and there are times that I go, yeah, yeah, maybe I should do that at some point. Maybe, yeah, maybe like, a, you know, in the next year, in the new year, after COVID, when it's comfortable. And I go, okay, that's confronting. There's some spiritual immaturity. And then there's other times that I go, yes, I'll do it right now. I just want to give my life to you. It's an indication of our spiritual maturity. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Becoming fully trained is becoming fully spiritually mature. And as that happens, we become more pliable. Like if you've ever made anything out of clay when you first start, it's like rock hard and you got to heat it up and really work on it and shape it and form it. This is what we look like over time where we become more and more pliable as he works on us and confronts us and challenges us and convicts us and changes us. We find ourselves more and more pliable. We are perpetual students in the hands of 
a master. We have the invitation to allow him to shape our life. And Jesus says we become like our teacher. And even echoing that, that passage from Paul, this idea of becoming like our teacher is this idea of imitating our teacher. Paul says it, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We become like Jesus as we imitate him. And it's important that we understand that Jesus is not just a good teacher, a nice guy, someone who's valuable, but Jesus is an expert in living life under the rule and reign of God. Jesus is an expert in living life the way that God intended it to be in every single area. He is an expert. And so we're invited to live a, the kind of life that actually imitates him. But I want you to think about what that actually means. The idea of imitation. The idea of actually imitating other people. In the same week that I talked about think training, not trying, I was talking about think uh, effort, not earning. I want you to think about the effort of imitation. The actual effort, just practically. If you are trying to imitate someone and you're recognizing that there are some patterns in your own life that are dysfunctional or just, just not right, like maybe it's you want to learn how to actually hit a golf ball properly and so you have to correct and adjust your swing. There are things that we have muscle memory for. We do it like this. I've always done it like this. And suddenly, if we want to imitate someone, it means that we have to change that. Is that comfortable? No. And I think sometimes we labor under the lie, like, oh, as I imitate in the effort of imitation, it should be comfortable. It's not. It's clunky and awkward. And there are times that you're doing stuff going, this doesn't feel right. Good. Imitation and the effort of imitation means we embrace the awkwardness. We embrace the, the moments that maybe it doesn't quite feel natural to us because as we do it over time, it does. We're invited to actually sit at his feet and allow him to show us this new way of life. Like, let me give you an example. Generosity. The first time that, that you go, oh, I have to give money back to God, you go, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather keep this money for myself because we get used to it. I go, my money, I earned it. It's for me. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And then Jesus goes, give your money away. Care for the poor. Give to the church. And you're like, well, that, that seems awkward, and I don't really want to do that. And he continues to remind us, generosity, I gave my life for you. You have the invitation to give just a portion back. And you go, okay, I'll try it. And the first few times you try it, it's uncomfortable. You look at your bank budget and your, your bank balance and you're like, I think I'd rather have that money. I, I know I can trust you, but I think I like having that money. And then over time as we imitate him, we become more and more pliable and our hands become more and more open and we go, God, it's yours anyway. Like, I, I just want you to use whatever you want to use. I want to entrust you with my money. And we find ourselves marked by an attitude of generosity. And before we know it, we actually notice our life is different. And suddenly the things that were awkward and, and at times felt clunky and forced become things that are second nature to us. This is what it looks like to imitate Jesus, to actually take things that he says, go, going, you need to forgive your enemies 70 times, seven times. And you're like, no, I don't want to. And then you begin to do it and you watch what happens and suddenly you become someone that's actually 
you forgive people. You're not bitter and angry. And you look at your life and go, this is what it looks like to imitate Christ, sometimes to do things that are uncomfortable and awkward, knowing that it will transform me and change me to become more and more like him. Jesus is always looking at us and inviting us to say yes, to entrust him, to let him guide us and shape us and form us. And in contrast to the blind leading the blind, we get to follow Jesus who sees everything clearly, even when we don't. See, Jesus looks out and he goes, I see where this is going. I know where we're going. Just trust me and follow me. And some of us go, no, I don't want to do that because it's costing. I'd rather follow someone else and we'll find ourselves in a ditch. We're invited to follow Jesus. And part of that process is that he guides and corrects us as he's leading us. Like, think about it. If you're blind leading the blind, you're you're walking in directions and you don't really know where you're going, Jesus will notice that we're veering off path, off the the straight and narrow place that we need to be, and he kind of lovingly corrects us and goes, no, 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 get back on. I don't want you in the ditch. Let me correct you. Let me course correct you. Let me, let me be like the fixed point when you're in the lake that you can see, okay, I need to go back. I need to adjust a little bit. We are invited in that process to do something that seems so countercultural and, and at times difficult. We're, we're actually invited to entrust him and surrender to him. To go, I'm going to trust you to guide me. I'm going to trust that you have my best interest in mind. I'm going to trust that if I actually follow you that at the end of it that I will actually be really proud of who I am because I'm becoming more like you. The invitation is not to try to wrest control from him, take more control, but actually to give it away, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. Here's the thing. I wanted us, I want us to reflect and to reflect on things that we notice and things that God is saying, but I also want to make sure that we're not just going, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, I should do that, but, but actually going, God, what's my next step? Like, what are you inviting me to do? What are you asking me to do? I, I don't know where each of you are at. Maybe the first step, honestly, for you is just to surrender your life for the first time. Like, maybe you're online and you go, I need to give my life to Jesus, there's a button that will pop up that, say, that you can actually say, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you're in the room and you go, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I have been walking in a pattern and direction of my life that I know I'm heading toward the ditch. Like I'm looking going, this seems, my life seems such a mess and ruin and I don't want it anymore. And Jesus is inviting you in this moment to choose his way of living, to give your life, to surrender to him, to acknowledge that he gave his life for you to restore and redeem you to relationship. And then we get to apprentice under him to become like him to reorient our life to him. If that's you in the room or online, make sure you fill out a connect card and let us know. Talk to someone. We'll have the prayer team at the back later and you can talk to them. For those of us that have been following Jesus, maybe it's, it's invitation is to actually pray and ask God, God, do you notice that I'm off here? Is there something that you're seeing in my life that is not in the right direction? Have there been some areas that I've wandered? 
If you're in a co-group, I want to encourage you in your co-group to go, do you guys notice anything? Or this is what I'm wrestling with. Bring it into community. Because we can see each other's blind spots and we can find a way forward. Maybe it's an honest reflection of the voices that you're allowing to lead you and shape you. Maybe it's the countless hours spent on YouTube or the social media people that you go, this is the person that can tell me all the secrets to the way of living and you recognize it is not the way of Jesus. I'm not suggesting any of those things are inherently bad, but I am suggesting that you constantly reflect, are they helping me to be formed like him? Are they drawing me to spend time with him? Are they shaping characteristics in my life that I'm proud of? But maybe for you, the next step is you go, there's some areas I need to imitate Jesus that I know are going to feel uncomfortable. Maybe there's some areas that you look at in your life and you go, I know he's asking me to do that. It's like Steve Fleming talked about. It's like my yes, I know I'm going to say yes, but I'm, I want to say it soon. I actually want to entrust him right now. There's some areas in your life that Jesus actually models that you go, ooh, I need to imitate that. And it will feel clunky and awkward, and yet it will be the best yes that you can possibly say. Our prayer team will be available at the back of the room after service, and we want to ensure that you have moments and time that people can pray for you. Like if you go, if you sit and you're hearing all of this and you're like, I don't know what to do, get with the prayer team and they can ask together. You can ask, God, what are you trying to say to me? Where are you leading me toward? I want us to live our lives where we actually start to take steps, not just on Monday or next year, but as we're leaving to go, what are you inviting me to do? What are you inviting me to step into? And if you're not clear, if you're questioning, if you're wondering, if you need something, we want to be with you. We're going to respond in worship, and I want to invite you to stand up. And maybe even in worship, God will draw your attention to something and help you to see the area of your life that you need to surrender to him. I want to pray for us, and then let's worship. God, I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you are our teacher, that you are inviting us to become more and more like you. God, we say it. We exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus. May that be true for each one of us. I pray that this week that there would be people around us that would see our lives and go, there's something different. They see you at work. God, remove anything that hinders us. Purge anything from us that is not helping us. God, help us to live hopeful and helpful lives that are in submission and surrender to you. Jesus, change us. We need you. We need you every moment of every single day. God, and as we worship, speak to us, guide us to your heart. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.